Now, before I go any further, I must point out, it's an old, very second-hand book. Oh. No money went to Dr. Dwight J. Ingle. Look, I'm going to say this. There were two books you could have picked to be the opening of the show this week, and you sure picked this one. (laughs) So, so, So before we talk about who should have children, an environmental and genetic approach by Dwight J. Ingle. I shouldn't have said doctor. He hasn't got doctor anywhere in the book. He's just wearing a lab coat on the back. Right. A little backstory. Um, so this past weekend, our mutual partner Phoenix was in town. Mine and Laura's uh, was in town. Um, lovely weekend. Um, yeah. I'm quite fond of Faith. Yeah, I've heard rumours as such. I'm a little bit fond, and I've been hearing through the grapevine that you quite like them too, Laura. Oh, I do quite like them too. Ooh, you know, I, I know, scandal of the century. <laughs> However, will we? We're going to have to have a King Midas situation just right down the middle. Oh. <laughs> no, oh, God. Because too good for that <laughs> which side gets purple hair and which side gets shaved <laughs> uh, so you, you 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 had an adventure this week yeah. that you know i'm gonna preface this by you know this shouldn't need saying but i'm just gonna say up front eugenics is terrible no eugenics please well, <laughs> well um, so <laughs> who should have children let's hear dwight out <laughs> Here's Dwight J. Ingle out. Why no. did he include the J? He had to have known. Mm. When I posted a picture of this on Twitter, everyone was calling him Dwight Jingle. <laughs> so, so yeah, Fee's in town and we are at Conrad's. Um, we're there with Conrad. We're there with Linda. We're there with Joa and Austin from Dice Funk. And we decide to pop out. We go get a bit of ramen. Uh, we want to go to the curiosity shop um, where there's... All sorts of interesting things from people who have died. And Conrad took us to a bookshop, a really cool bookshop. Um, When you're in town, Laura, we'll have to take you. Um, Not just for the eugenics. Were both the books in the same shop? Because, yes. look, audience, I'm going to palate cleanse you by telling you about the other book that's at least not eugenics afterwards. So. (laughs) Yeah. So what's the name of that bookstore? Uh, Mostly Books. Mostly books. Yeah. Um, oh, I love that as well because there's like some toys in the window and an Optimus Prime with a speech bubble that says it's mostly books inside. Just so that any nerds who walk past aren't disappointed when they walk in and it's not toys and games. <laughs> I wasn't that disappointed. I'd seen the sign. <laughs> and any disappointment I might have felt all changed when I realized that this isn't just a secondhand bookstore. This is a second-hand bookstore that has some choice manuscripts mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, from the from the self-published vanity projects that Conrad pointed out to the strange, strange children's books, one of which Laura will describe. Oh, yeah, and this was just sat there on a pile of books because even though there's organisation, there's also just books everywhere like just piled up and not on shelves and and just everywhere like they they seem to migrate to the general vicinity of where they're supposed to be a lot of the time but not always uh it's it's a big big place there's like two and a half floors yeah of books yeah like you walk in and you think it's like a small like pokey bookstore then you go through a door and i'm like holy shit this is like an old library run by a scatterbrained professor who knows the secret to a golden egg. 
Um, I only say golden egg because Vince McMahon had one on the latest WWE show and it was the stupidest thing I've ever fucking seen. Anyway, who should have children? An environmental and genetic approach was just there. Um, like, I want. It was close to the science section, not that close. And I'm just going to read the the four uh, the the cover the the cover inset. Overpopulation is a grave threat to the future of man. Oh no. Some forms of control are needed if we are to avoid famine, disease, and war as checks on population growth. I believe that man must limit his numbers and that therefore efforts to control birth should be focused on those who for cultural, genetic, or medical reasons are unable to endow children with a reasonable chance to achieve health, happiness, self-sufficiency, and good citizenship. Dwight J. Ingle. I mean, you have just summarised, you've summarised eugenics there. Yeah, but as I've been reading, it's been a dry fucking read. I'm just here saying, like, get, hurry up and get to the yikes. Stop telling me how the sperm goes in the egg. I learned that when I was five. I don't need that bit. I want to hear what he means when he says it's the clear right of society, according to the author, to exercise intelligent control over its future rather than submit passively to irresponsible threats to its welfare and dignity. Now, under Dr. Ingalls' plan, it says, differences in race, physique, intellect, abilities, and interests would not be destroyed, for they add immeasurably to the richness of human life. And as the... the (laughs) The four words go to great lengths to be like, look, no one's going to disagree with the arguments in here and they're not racist. So, you know, that's a thing I bought. See, here's what I assumed you were going to talk about and not that was (laughs) you bought a little children's picture book with a weird, terrifying ending that I think is a lot more vain for... Ahaha, ha, that's kind of horrifying but funny rather than just that's just that's just a book of hate crimes happening in there. You bought a book that is the children's book equivalent of um I think it's called Sausage Party, that terrible Seth Rogan animated comedy. Well it's about living foods. It's called The Angry Foods. Fee found it and then we flicked through it and I was like, right, I'm having that. Yeah, so it's about living foods who get taken home by a family mm-hmm. and are unaware of the reality that they are being cooked alive and they're going to be yeah, consumed. They are <laughs> they're all angry and shouting. They get gathered up thrown into hot water and they don't know why and one of them's yelling i can't swim and the the water's too hot it hurts i can't swim what the fuck's going on except for the beans the beans are happy it's like a nice bath for them oh and then right at the end the last page no other context is just the this all these vegetables and the, the hot soup they can't swim in going what is soup oh well, well what it is is <laughs> it's little tommy or timmy um like the mother is is it, like, it becomes clear the mother's cooking soup. At which point the angry mushroom yells, "She is a bad cook!" Um, for no reason, it's just one page. She is a bad cook! Yells the mushroom. Look, a, a good cook wouldn't put sentient beings alive in that's the hot true. in the hot liquid, especially angry ones. Yeah, you know that's why you shouldn't boil lobsters alive. Don't yeah. put sentient stuff alive in hot liquid. It's bad cook. You're a bad cook if you do that. The penultimate page is little Timmy with his spoon going, mm, "This is the best soup ever," says Timmy, and then the last page. Who is soup, said the foods? 
Who is soup? Who is soup? <laughs> now, if we combine the angry foods and who should have children, hello I believe... and welcome to Pogquisition. Oh, oh okay. hello. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, hello. It's Pogquisition. Oh, we talk about video games. I just need to stress: I bought the eugenics book because it was funny, not because I'm going to subscribe to the ideals inside. Look. No eugenics, please. No. Podcast, video games. Exactly. <laughs> also, I sh a fun moment in there was when we found the book on the shelf, The Case for Auschwitz. <laughs> now, it was about a libel <sighs> trial. Right, right. It was about the trial to establish, you know, like, the facts and it behind Auschwitz, yada, yada, yada. But boy, that was daunting at first when we picked it up. It's like, we don't know what's in here. <laughs> and it was thick, which it would it'd have to be, right? Yeah. Like, you'd really want to have everything nailed down in thorough detail if you were going to make a, cow a case in favor of Auschwitz. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. I'm here being like, oh, we got to get on the show. Got to get on the show. I want to go see this weird fucking bookshop. Right. Right. You're on the hook. <laughs> it's real good. I want to go to this weird fucking bookshop. My one disappointment with mostly books is. It was, like, it did have normal sections, and the moment I saw that book, I'm like, please tell me there's a section that just has a sign that says, fucked up books. Because that's what I, that's what I was there for. The moment I saw that, I was running around, like, going, where's, where are the other fucked up books? I'm gonna be honest, if it had come from a fucked up book section labelled fucked up books, I'd have felt like that's a much easier sell for, like, oh no, it's alright, I bought it from the fucked up book section. <laughs> like, they know, they know what they have here. They know. Uh, Just don't make me work for it. <laughs> so who's played a video game this week? Uh, we've, we've played books. I've played one if no one else has. I, guess, I was about to say we've played books. Um, <laughs> I've got books on the brain, which is funny because I don't read them. Yeah. You know what? I'm going to jump in. I'll yeah. play video games. I've been playing The Binding of Isaac Repentance. <gasps> it's fucking good. Oh, it's real fucking good. Fucking good, right? I always forget how good the binding of isaac is and how how much i get hooked on it until i give it like a really good time away like a year or more away and i don't really play it yes and then i come back when there's new content this game has just taken over my life like the last last week or so mm -hmm. i can't stop playing it's amazing i played for like a whole fucking weekend i just fucking lost my weekend to it it was fucking great i mean yeah like this has pulled you away from Pokemon, like yeah, long-time listeners will know that is momentous. You know, I'll I'll give the caveat of this is not the most impressive Pokemon remake in the world, and it's of a generation well, yeah. that was never my favorite Pokemon gen. Like I've got some problems structurally with Diamond and Pearl in that I like to complete an area, then move on to the next, then the next. And I like to be a perfectionist before I move on. Diamond and Pearl do a lot of like, hey, there's a gym in this town, but you can't go there yet. Go to the next town. Come back later. I have to hold a lot of things in my head and, like, put that aside. I want to play the thing where I do the same thing over and over again, but I get to hit the dopamine button in my brain because I don't know what that thing is, and it's new, and I have it now. Who needs loot boxes? Games with randomised elements where you could end up with an overpowered build or you could end up in trouble? Like, 
There's your gamble. Exactly. And if you lose the gamble, you're probably going to die very quickly, at which point it's fine. I can start a new one where I might win again. Like You get thrown right back in and you haven't like wasted a thousand pounds that EA is just going to shrug at and go, oops. Exactly. Um, oh, there's so many really nice new upgrades mm-hmm. uh, in this. I didn't know until I started playing it that they've updated a bunch of the, the visual stuff and the, the audio. Yes. A bunch of the audio and visual's been updated, and that's... I'm surprised by that. Like, little effects, like the, the blood coming out of the gushes, like the headless ones, and the coin pickup is different. Yeah, some of the animations that used to be a couple of frames are now, like, a much more detailed animation, a lot a lot more frames going on. <laughs> the, the coins make distinct sounds for what size of coin you're picking, up like there's just nice little quality of life stuff that makes it all feel a bit more polished which i appreciate yeah they've taken some of the old um some of the old items and just like tweaked them in ways that make them so much more useful the holy water is one of those isn't it i think yes they made a big improvement to holy water do you want to talk about how the holy water works now yeah the old holy water would just like it would follow you around and leave a, a tear trail on the floor that would cause damage to any enemies that stood on it now when you go in a room, it uh, flies towards the nearest enemy and shatters, dealing damage and leaving a puddle of, of damaging tears. It's a lot more like the explosive thoughts is, but without the uh, the downside of if you aim that like at an, at something too close to you, it'll explode and catch you in the damage. This doesn't do you any damage if you do it too close, but it does big damage on impact. Considering they normally fucking nerf items when they do updates, it was nice to see an improvement or two. Yeah. But there, there are some really nice little up- upgrades in there. Like, I won't, you know, go into too many so that I'm not spoiling it for people, but, like, uh, one of my favourite ones that I didn't think would be my jam, and I've kind of come to really like it, is the fake PhD, where it looks like it's sort of scrawled on in pen. Yeah. And it takes all of what would usually be good pills with no downside, gets rid of them. All pills now have a downside, but also a noticeable upside. And the the way it balances out seems to ultimately you're getting more benefit than you're losing. Mm-hmm. But like, there's something about the the risk reward of it that like on paper I don't like that idea at all. It feels like it would be terrible for runs. I can't control what I'm doing with my, my builds. Yeah, I got it once and was just like, what is the fucking point of this? So I felt the same. And then I picked it up again, and I've started really digging it, and I don't know why. But, like, actual useful ones, the one that makes little uh, rifts that suck stuff in and deal, like, really big damage on certain impacts are really nice. I like the lightning tears, that when you hit an enemy with the tears, like, lightning arcs to other enemies. That's a really satisfying one. Like, if your tears do enough damage, like, you can clear swarms really, like, satisfyingly. There's one, is it when you defeat enemies or you take damage, you spawn tiny little mini-isers? Yes, if you, I think it's if you take damage like a tiny isaac appears and then they they live with you for as long as they die like they will take damage as well um so they're they're fun you can get a little army it doesn't seem like there's like if there's a limit to how many tiny isaacs you can have it's quite a big limit and they stick around yeah they're they're real fun I've enjoyed some of the new bosses as well. Um, they've taken a bit of getting used to the patterns, as you know bosses do. But 
There's one I love very much that is an adorable little... It's a big fly with a very adorable face that looks like it wishes oh, you no yeah. harm. Yeah, it's like the, the red bomb flies, but like massive, and it's so cute. It's just like, hey, I want to be your friend, I just want to be friends, while doing the most difficult bullet hell <laughs> shit. Just like, I mean you no harm, yay! I love the the way those attacks manifest, where it just sort of turns around, blows little blood bubbles out of its mouth and bounces around. There's no matter. Alice is just blowing bubbles because it wants to be your friend. Just trying to have fun. Yeah. Oh, it's taken me a bit of getting back into the rhythm of, of that game, but I'm having so much fun. Mm-hmm. You've been playing some more of it, haven't you? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, pretty much same as you. Same thoughts. It's, <laughs> I'm, it's very extensive as an upgrade. It's a very, like, it's worth diving back into for. It's, it's nice. Yeah. Although I did unlock a, one of the new level variants. <laughs> Fuck the ash pits. <laughs> oh God, they're fucking horrible. <laughs> uh, uh, what about you, Conrad? What have you been playing this week? Uh, well, I, I played more of that Dead Estate, um, which I talked about last week. And, uh, I'm enjoying it. Like it, I keep playing it. I find it frustrating from time to time, but I've gotten a handle on navigating the limited space. And so that frustration's diminished. I managed to beat a few loops and unlock. There's uh, several additional characters and they all function fairly differently. There's one that just has a melee attack. It's the only attack that they have the entire game. It does a bunch of damage, but, you know, you got to get close to everything to hit them. That's kind of cool. There's one that makes more money but loses money constantly and starts losing health if they run out of money. Uh, They're a real estate agent. I enjoyed that. And once you've cleared it, enough times with the right characters it opens up you know a true ending path that's uh fun so there's more story in it than you're led to believe uh, that sort of rolls out gradually it's kind of fun yeah it's a neat little roguelike i'm i'm still enjoying it i, I still think that the initial curve could turn off a lot of people but there's a pretty fun game in there and uh the weapon variety is interesting. The power-up variety is fun. There's some, you know, little cute in-joke things in there that are entertaining when you spot them. The, those are nice. Yeah, it's it's fun. I, I'm enjoying Dead Estate. Yeah, I saw you playing it on stream the other night. It looked good. Yeah, it does have screen shake slider, which uh, is necessary. Because it, it gets to be, uh, someone on the stream asked if it could be turned down, and sure enough, it could, and and I've never turned it back up. I'm glad it's yeah. minimal now. It's so much more tolerable an experience. Yeah. Yeah. If you're going to do screen shake, and, and God love you, do your screen shake, but, you know, accommodate those of us that can't stand it. Yeah. 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 What about you, Laura? Uh, I've been playing another one that Steph's also been playing. Do you want to take the lead on this one? Because I, I sort of took the lead on Binding of Isaac. We've been playing uh, Death's Door. Death's Door, yes. I've heard a lot of about this game. There's a lot of hype behind it. I was waiting for it to come to Switch, as I do with several games that came out yesterday at the time of recording. Yeah. Yeah, it's really nice. It's sort of uh, a bit isometric You're a little crow like a reaper and your job is to go and get souls and you're running around these really nicely laid out maps with a lot of shortcuts that you can open up so 
like someone must have been a fan of the the way Dark Souls shortcuts work because yeah. they're always satisfying. And so th- this game does it liberally. Yeah. I think the thing this does a little better with that maybe is that like because it's isometric, you get this sort of overhead view of it's much easier to get a sense of what where leads where and when you open up a shortcut go, I knew the shortcut would be around here because it's easier to get a sense of where how everything connects, I think. Yes. It's not as intricately connective as as, you know, a more one of the more 3D Souls likes, but and this isn't a Souls like I should point out. Um I saw some comparisons to Dark Souls and stuff, but it's really not like that. Yeah, like you don't lose any of your stuff on death and have to go retrieve it. There's none of those sort of elements. Like in terms of combat, there's more comparison one could make with a, a hack and slash dungeon crawler. You know, you've got fairly simple uh, melee weapon swings and combat's very much about working out how many hits you can get in before you have to dodge. Mm. Um, enemies have pretty clear signposted attacks. It's all simple stuff, but it's really tight. It's it's very well crafted. The thing I think it does really nicely is that uh, when you're in combat, it gives you a really good sense of here is a very clear this is the tell. Here is a very good, like, visual audio rumble feedback to go, you are making these hits and, like, keep you feeling connected to that. Yes. But also, like, what you're being asked to do is, at least in what I've had time to play so far, never seems to be, like, asking too many things of you at once. It's just going, here is your simple tool set. Do it right. Yes. And I appreciate that. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know when you've hit something or missed, you know when you've been hit, you know when enemies are going to attack, and it's not difficult to pick up the patterns. Um, that doesn't mean it's not challenging. It is, in fact... Yeah. I, I'm still in the early goings, and it's gotten a little hairy at points, but I know it's going to get tougher. But it very much feels fair in its difficulty. Like, every time I've had a defeat, I've gone... That's because I got greedy. And I can feel those moments of like, I've not even made contact yet. And I'm like, I shouldn't have done that. I know exactly I've gone wrong here. It feels very in your control, the difficulty. Yeah, very much so. Um, I just realised I kept my fucking bell on. I'm very sorry, listeners. I've been good about taking that off, but God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, everyone. Yeah, I really like it. I've unlocked a couple of different weapons, although so far none of them have been as good as the the sword you start with. Um, The visuals are really nice, kind of adorable, but bleak in a way. And the music is gorgeous. Oh, the music is so good. Wonderful soundtrack. Um, So yeah, like... I am not sure if it's like game of the year worthy, as some said, but I think it's certainly got the potential as I keep playing it. I, I could I could see myself very much falling in love with this game as it expands. We shall see. I'm feeling the same right now. I need time to play more of it, but I, I very quickly understand why people are raving about it. Yeah. Like, I can see the very good game here. Yeah. What about... You, Conrad, have you played anything else this week? Yeah, I played Mortal Kombat Shaolin Monks. Aha! <laughs> uh-huh. uh, so this is one of the spin-off Mortal Kombat games that came around during the PS2 era. And uh, I had heard positive things about it, as it sort of being the one that actually is fun. I was not prepared. This game is really fucking fun. Yeah. I need to now look it up and see if it's the one I'm thinking of. It's a 3D brawler, and you can play as uh, Liu Kang or Kung Lao, 
uh, and there's two player couch co-op. There's uh, also Sub-Zero and Scorpion, I think, get unlocked in the in the story mode also. And it's supposed to bridge the events between Mortal Kombat 1 and Mortal Kombat 2. And it's ridiculous. Oh, this isn't what I'm thinking of. This actually does look pretty good. It's ridiculous. You're just beating up guys left and right. Quick combos, lots of juggling, bouncing enemies all over the place, all of the ridiculous Mortal Kombat character sounds from Liu Kang and Kung Lao just constantly going off. Everything explodes. All of the enemies explode in gory showers. Um, and you you have uh, combos and those can be unlocked to have greater effect. You have special moves, and it's all of their, you know, special attacks translated into a 3D environment function. It works pretty well. You have a lock-on, um, but it will just target enemies for ranged attacks, which is nice, uh, or at least in the vicinity of them. You can't be totally off. There's throws that are fun to do, and then you'll build up a meter and you can do fatalities on enemies. And there's, I think, like eight or nine fatalities for every character. And they're sequences of directional taps, four of those, and then an attack button. And they're all ridiculous and fun and usually end in explosions. Kung Lao has one, has two, where he pulls rabbits out of his hat. Huh. And one of them, he pulls the rabbit out of the hat and the opponent starts laughing at him and so that he beats the guy to death with the rabbit in the other he pulls the rabbit out of the hat and tosses it to the guy who's all like oh what a sweet rabbit as he's holding it and then the rabbit just ravages him <laughs> and, po and, 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 and pops its head up over the corpse at the end of this little ominous like but adorable fashion it's oh this game has so much joy in it. Um, we played it on my stream. The VOD will be up for that for, I don't know, like another week or so. So if people are hearing this and they want to see it, you can check it out. It is so much fun. Uh, track down a copy of Mortal Kombat Shaolin Monks and play it. It is delightful. Oh, yay. Good video games. Yeah, yeah. Steph, you've played a video game that ain't that good this week. <sighs> Why did I buy Nerf Legends? I don't know why you bought Nerf Legends. I don't know why. I don't know why. I've got to do something about my need for a dopamine fix because I didn't want to... I, I, I was going to say, you know why you did it. Dopamine. <laughs> I've got mental problems. Legitimate diagnosed mental problems. Because the brain goes, hey, hit the happy button by buying something impulsively, and now you have Nerf Legends. I think that might be the most damning way I could review this game. I bought Nerf Legends because I'm mentally ill. <laughs> like, genuinely. It's awful. That's all that needs to be said about that. Now, Blood Rain revamped. Mm -hmm. That is awful. I like Blood Rain. It's not a good game. It's objectively bad, but it's one of those ones where it's like, this is like delightful trash, and I can identify with that. It hasn't really been promoted. Like when I've tweeted about it, like so many people are like, I did not know that was coming out. I did not know that was a thing. Poor PB Smooth saw it, uh, a colleague of mine from the wrestling, and was like, 
sent me a message. Oh, thanks for letting me know that that's out. I've gone and got it. And then, oh no. Oops. They call it Blood Rain Revamped. I don't know what's revamped about it. It just looks like the PC version that I played about seven years ago. It it doesn't look enhanced in any way. Um, the controls are fucking terrible. They've not been modernized. They've there are a couple of control options. None of them are optimum. Gameplay is, is still the same. Visuals are still the same. And on top of that, it's somehow they've made it worse than the Rockstar, than the GTA remasters that came out in terms of stability and, and not being a broken piece of shit. Uh, I'm playing on the Switch version, and it has crashed so many times. So many times. They've also recently patched out the cheats because there there's a cheat code option in the menu, which is really good because some of this game is really terribly balanced. Like it's dated 3D action game. There is some really poor, frustrating moments. When you add in the fact that there are no checkpoints in levels and the game is liable to crash, like even like while you're at the end of a level or partway through... Having the option to go god mode or do level skip, like, really useful. And on the Switch version, the cheats worked, and then there was an update, and now they're gone. Now, I was ready to go off. I, I, you know, I'm still going to go off a bit, but they patched the cheats out and will put them in, but they managed to break the game. They weren't working right. Uh, and I think they were like, I think the cheats bypassed achievements and trophies on the consoles that have them and they weren't doing that or something. Uh, so they, they patched the cheats out. So now I'm just not, I'm not playing the game until they're back. <laughs> it's fucking dreadful. I don't know what's so fucking hard about taking a PS2 game and not fucking it up. People working on ROMs seem to be doing it just fucking fine. Yeah. Blood Rain, emulate it. You will get a better version of the game that won't fuck up so frequently and has a lot more, you know, user control. These games, GTA remasters, uh, the Blood Rain revamped, they're just making the case stronger and stronger for emulation. It's hard to justify buying official re-releases of games when there's examples like, um, I think I sent you a screenshot of this before, Ocarina of Time in 4K on PC with like really nice textures running at 60 frames a second with like all redone models, whole game. Like, you see something like that and go, there are people putting out free options that are offering more value than the paid options in some cases that are being put out. It's hard to justify what is being offered in some of these cases. Absolutely. I wholeheartedly encourage emulation of the PS2 version of Blood Rain. It's better. And you can get a better upscaled version of it. So, you know. Yeah. And and they're nineteen ninety nine each. Blood Rain 1 and Blood Rain 2. They're sold separately. Oh. Utter Ziggurat Games should be ashamed of itself. Oh. No wonder they didn't promote them. What about you, Conrad? You played anything else? I mean, a little bit of Death Stranding, but I don't really have anything to say about it. It's Death Stranding. That's fair. Yeah, it's shit. 
Well, in that case, should we should we get onto the news? Because we got to try and do a little t- sort of tight episode today, and we got a fucking lot of news to do. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, why not? Should we start with all the fucking Activision Blizzard news? Because a lot of it happened again. Mm-hmm. Yep. So let's start on an update from from one of our stories from last week. You remember Jen O'Neill? Uh, who was uh, Blizzard co-lead for a while and left after not very long at all. Uh, we, we we talked a little about about um about her not being offered equal pay with her uh, her co-lead. Yes, do recall that. Yeah. So here's a fun thing. She'd been asking for equal pay with her co-lead, and and along and to and from the way it sounds, I, I want to make sure it's clear. Mike Ybarra, her co-lead, also seemed to be pushing for this. It wasn't just her. Indeed, I'm not suggesting that this isn't his fault necessarily. Sure, I just didn't want it to be a thing by omission where you know some people might construe. Yes. So so here's here's the story as told by Mike Ybarra. He and O'Neill asked for pay parity together. But O'Neill says she was offered an equal uh, an equal contract only after resigning from the role. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Shortly before resigning, they were told that a pay package, you know, a parity arrangement was being worked on, um, but an actual contract offer didn't come until they had already tendered the resignation. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. You you would think that that would you know be a thing you'd have in place. Before hiring her to the role, you would hope. Well, uh, they, what they did when they moved them into these new roles is that they just kept them at their existing compensation packages from their former positions, which were not yeah. in parity to begin with. Yeah. And just didn't get around for months to, like, figuring out what their compensation packages would be. That's just absurd. I know that things moved very quickly in terms of removing... Brack stepping down and them coming in. I know that that happened fast, but I mean, come the fuck on. That was all track covering and shit. But that's the thing is, if you're going to do something like this and do it, like even, even if you're going to particularly do it as like a look at how diverse we're fixing things move, at the very least go, hey, his is more than you right now. Should we just move you up to that as you come into the role? Like just fucking, that seems like such an, like uh, such a no brain thing. Well, it's it's the sort of thing uh. where you're under such scrutiny in these positions yeah. right then. That is then the time to be fucking around. No, get the shit done. I can't prove it, but I feel like this, like that level of not getting compensation in line quickly. I mean, would only happen for some employees and not others is the feeling I get. I feel like some people, if hired into that role, would have very quickly been on parity, I would imagine. Yeah, you you might expect. Yeah, you might expect. Yeah, but there's been a ton of fallout from the Wall Street Journal article that we talked about yesterday that, like, released right when we were recording. And didn't we record a day early? Yeah. Yeah. So we, we, we were, we missed... The day that this all kicked off last week. Apologies. This is the Polquisition curse. Whatever day we record, the (laughs) news happens the next day. Usually that's Thursdays. All the news happens Thursdays unless we record early. And then they bumped it up to Wednesday just to fuck us. (laughs) Reggie. Reggie was doing it. (laughs) Uh, Reggie, who's no longer at Nintendo, did it. (laughs) Yeah, Reggie's still trying to screw you over, Laura. (laughs) So yeah, should should we move on to... 
the statements made by all three of the major console manufacturers attempting to, at least in word, if not deed, distance themselves from Activision Blizzard. Yeah, while still promoting Call of Duty Vanguard on their <laughs> storefront. I do wonder how much of, like, it are their contracts they are stuck in to some degree, but, like... Yeah. I, I want to see action, but it's n I didn't expect to see statements. This is more than I expected already. Um, yeah, like, it's already a lot... Uh, like, this is serious. If it's come to the point where console manufacturers are having to tell their employees, hey, we're aware of this and we're evaluating our relationship, that's... That's real. Yeah, this is fucking bad. It would be real good if they did that for, say, Ubisoft as well, for example. Yes. But, you know, we'll we'll take the the progress where we can. Should we start with Nintendo? Nintendo's uh, Doug Bowser made a statement. Doug Bowser sent an internal email to Nintendo of America staff, which was leaked to the public and has been confirmed by Fanbyte as legitimate. Uh, Nintendo PR confirmed... Yeah, we, we can confirm the content of the, the letter. This wasn't meant to be a public statement, but it's still interesting. I mean, a, a bold PR move to not deny that Nintendo thinks Bobby Kotick's a bit shit. <laughs> yeah, here's some quotes from the statement. Along with all of you, I've been following the latest developments with Activision Blizzard and the ongoing reports of sexual harassment and toxicity at the company. I find these accounts distressing and disturbing. They run counter to my values as well as Nintendo's beliefs, practices and policies. He then goes on to explain that Nintendo's committed to have an open, inclusive workplace, blah, 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 patting themselves on the back for a bit. Without detail, Bowser also says representatives at Nintendo have been in contact with Activision, have taken action, and are assessing other actions. It's not entirely clear what actions are being referred to at the moment. Last bit of quote from Bowser is... Uh, Every company in the industry must create an environment where everyone is respected and treated as equals, where all understand the consequences of not doing so. That sure feels like Bobby Koik shouldn't be, you know, immune to consequences talk right there. Yeah. Yeah. So that's something. That is something. Yeah. Sony and Microsoft also had ones. Again, also emails to employees that leaked out to the press. They were not public statements, which is a shame. I would have liked to have seen, you know... One of these companies just have the balls to fucking do it publicly, but... Uh... Well, now, here's there's a reason for this, you know, because they know that this is going to get out. So th this is their way of being able to do it and give deniability. Yeah. It is mm -hmm. the same as the company saying it under these circumstances. They're just... Ta they're taking cover. That's all. Yeah. Well, some companies, like Sony... <laughs> might be trying to cover their own tracks, but we'll get to that. Oh, we we mm. will get to them. Um, but yeah, I think you might be on the right track there, Conrad, particularly considering, like, Nintendo 100% never confirms or denies fucking anything they can avoid doing. Yeah. The fact they confirmed this says, yeah, they knew this was going to get out, but... Uh, right, so, Jim Ryan, uh, PlayStation, a chief over at PlayStation, did an email to employees... Uh, he wrote that he and his leadership were disheartened and frankly stunned to read that Activision has not done enough to address a deep-seated culture of discrimination <laughs> and harassment. Stunned. <laughs> it's such a surprise to the game industry. Look, Jim Ryan, we'll get back to you in like probably like 10 minutes, I'm imagining. Uh, but we'll continue. We'll continue the fucking quote. We outreached to Activision immediately after the article was published to express our deep concern and to ask how they plan to address the claims made in the article. We do not believe their statements of response properly address the situation. 
that's something at least go saying you've not gone far enough yeah that's right go further yeah i mean it's interesting to see acknowledgements that's really my takeaway from all of this is that when your partners are acknowledging that you have a fucking problem then you really have a problem i'll say this it's a little easier to make these statements for them when not only do we, of course, have the federal court case, but the fact that we're now in a position where if Kotick gets booted, is made to step down, the rest of the industry can be like, problem solved. Right. Activision's okay again. Yeah. Like, it's only after Bobby was named that the knives came out. And as I've said before, if Bobby is booted, it's only so that the board could cover their own tracks. It's only because he became a threat to their stock prices. 100%. And I think that, like, I think that that is particularly true for the, the console manufacturers who know that their games make them a lot of money and they want to be able to keep selling them. And a sacrificial firing means that they don't have to stop selling Activision Blizzard games. We've seen this with other companies, with Ubisoft, with Riot Games. The industry, the press, and the community can't fucking wait to move on. Yeah. Uh, so the last one we got from Microsoft, again, it's an internal company email. Almost like they've all got the same tactic. Mm. Yeah. Microsoft's uh, head of Xbox said he's evaluating all aspects of our relationship with Activision Blizzard and making ongoing proactive adjustments. Don't know what those fucking adjustments are. Uh, but Phil Spencer also said that uh, the leadership team are disturbed and deeply troubled by the horrific events and actions. This type of behavior has no place in our industry. Goes on and on. Now, I, I, I think of the statements, this is the one that sounds most like they might actually do something while not actually committing to doing anything. Like, evaluating all their aspects of our relationship sounds like, oh, we're going to say we might stop selling their games. We, we, we have, we're not going to say that. But I don't believe they're going to do anything, but they, they want to sound like they want to do something. So yeah, that that all happened this week, and we're not even like halfway done with the fucking Activision Blizzard for the week because there's a fucking lot of it. Yeah, employees have uh, been responding to it. There's been a petition with over 1,300 Activision Blizzard staff yeah. wanting Kodak to resign, and that that was as of the end of last week. It was already up to 1,300. Oh yeah, I'm sure it's I'm sure it's higher than that now. But yeah, lots and lots of stuff actively just like, no, get Bobby Kotick the fuck out of here. We do not want him. This was set up by... Um, a better ABK, Activision Blizzard King. Yes. They've been doing a real good job. Uh, it's up to 1,800 staff signatures now of people who work at Activision Blizzard willing to put their name to going, hey, no, get rid of... Can I just say, real fucking big, big, so much pride, so so proud of people working at that company willing to call for the CEO's firing yes. with their name attached. That yes. is not an easy thing to do. That is the kind of thing that can paint a target on your back. Yeah, this isn't like an online petition you're signing and who the fuck cares. This is the potential for retribution. This is literally like full name role within the company, division of the company they work in, saying, we want to get rid of Bobby Kotick. That is... I'm very proud of them for that. That's not an easy thing to do. Yeah. Yep. I mean, we would never 
know any of this shit. If it wasn't for, and you know, this is across Ubisoft, Riot Games, uh, Insomniac, uh, Quantic Dream, like without people who summon the courage to speak up. And that's nothing against those who did not speak up because it's terrifying. Yeah. I can only keep thanking them for it. Yeah. We we don't talk about this enough, but to the people who get their stories out there so that this stuff is known, it's not easy and it comes with a lot of risk and a lot of consequences and we're all thankful for you, you know, letting letting people know what's going on so that, you know, hopefully things can change. So yeah, other staff response to this. Employees at Activision Blizzard walked out on Tuesday uh, following a Wall Street Journal report. I believe the number going around is about 500 staff uh, engaged in a in-person walkout, uh, again, organised by a better ABK, um, who have been doing really good work rallying people within that company. They they are mm-hmm. certainly making sure they cannot be ignored and being vocal and, you know. Yes. No matter how hard Activision is trying to ignore them. Yeah. If, if you enjoy this show, go look up on Twitter... A better ABK. Yeah. Same with a better Ubisoft as well. Both of them. Give them a follow. Yes. Uh, yeah, go go give them both a follow. They are doing really important work and they are really trying to, you know, get the power of the workers standing up against the fucking upper crust there. Yeah. So, yeah, that continues. Can we talk about Activision Blizzard's fucking Workplace Responsibility Committee? Oh, for fuck's sake. Sure. Well, I mean, yeah, it's... The board is, at least so far, backing Kotick, and their their response to this now is to set up a committee to evaluate uh, these issues. A committee that currently entirely comprises uh, board members, I believe, mm-hmm. all of whom work directly underneath Bobby Kotick. Yeah. Well, now, these board members that were named in it, and this is kind of, this is for a reason, these specific board nem- members have been named. Don Ostroff mm. is a, a woman who was uh, added to the board in June of last year. And it, it's also something that we should be mindful of when we look at boards of companies, um, all of the sort of cross-pollination that goes on uh, with people serving on multiple boards or people in other positions serving on boards, uh, you know, various places. Don Ostroff is the chief content officer for uh, Spotify. That's her day job. Mm. She serves on this on the Activision Blizzard board um, as of last year. Uh, the other one uh, named Ravita Bowers, she's been on the board since 2018, and, and she does governance and uh, organizational consultancy for nonprofit organizations. These are people who have positions on the board in an advisory capacity in one way or another that are being named to this. They're not necessarily – I wouldn't view them as an employer-employee relationship at Activision Blizzard just to sort of set the stage. Now, does Kodak have power over them in the context of what they're doing in Activision Blizzard? Absolutely. Yeah. But this isn't the same kind of relationship that might be inferred by that suggestion, I guess, because they have other things going. That's fair. Also, some of those other things going are chief content officer at Spotify. Let's not forget that, too. Yeah. 
Um, and the other thing, like, there are Activision Blizzard employees who are speaking up about this, being like, hey, this seems like more top-down, we will decide how to fix this, again, not involving workers and what the workers are actually asking for. And that's the problem, is it's more platitudes that involve uh, positions for higher-ups in the company and don't involve giving putting a seat at the table for the actual workers who were impacted. Yeah. And that is still not good enough. Okay, we're nearly done. Last Activision Blizzard story in this batch. We're nearly done. So, Activision Blizzard CEO Bobby Kotick tells colleagues he would consider leaving if he can't quickly fix problems. <sighs> it's a real fucking waffler of a story, yeah. but it really does just boil down to the headline, which is he's like, oh, I, I, I might, cons- I might consider leaving, but like, I, I should be allowed to fix the problem. He's painting himself as so fucking noble, like I am gonna fight valiantly to fix the problems, and if not, I'll fall on my own sword, my gilded fucking sword. Yeah, my two hundred and sixty-five million dollar sword. Yes. <laughs> yeah, because what's actually being said here is please don't fire me please give me another chance i know we have a zero tolerance policy for for harassment and stuff but like please give me another thing tolerate me a little longer please i'll fix it i'll make it even more cynical than that i think it's oh i might get fucked here time to save face yeah 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 if he can say that he resigned rather than he was removed you know he did it for the good of activision he fought valiantly to the last he's a dick he's a slimy worm boy mm-hmm. he's a slimy worm boy with more personal wealth than like i imagine there's some small countries with less wealth than this one individual has well or large countries like the united states of america if we count most of it. Yeah. Fucking. I mean, just being a billionaire, his very existence is immoral. To say nothing of what an abusive, creepy, unhinged monster he is. Oh, but he's sorry that he went a bit. He went a bit exaggerated when he threatened to kill an assistant. Oh, sorry, wait, no. Have her killed. The fucking coward wouldn't ever get his own hands dirty. So that's been this week's Activision Blizzard Roundup. <sighs> we have other stories. Would you like like a, a rest story before we get into Sony? Or should we just fucking bite the bullet and get the Sony one out the way? Get it out the way. Okay. Sony's got its own fucking accusations at the moment. The industry is rotten to the core. <laughs> it is, unfortunately. So uh, let's... Let's let's bring this up. Former PlayStation employee files lawsuit alleging gender discrimination and wrongful termination. She was dismissed soon after reporting gender bias. So a former PlayStation worker has filed a lawsuit against Sony in California, claiming that it cultivates a work environment that discriminates against female employees and is suing it for gender discrimination, harassment, and wrongful termination. The lawsuit was filed a couple of days before we recorded this uh, by someone who used to work as an IT security analyst who claimed uh, Sony willfully violated labour laws by intentionally, knowingly, and or deliberately paying women less than men for substantially equal or similar work. According to the member of staff... Female staff at PlayStation were not compensated equally to male employees who had substantially similar jobs, were held back to lower pay levels, were denied promotions, uh, also alleges discriminatory employment practices, policies and procedures are centrally established and implemented at the highest levels of Sony. 
The lawsuit claims that Sony has managers who will not be alone in a room with a, with a woman with the door closed, and that one manager would only speak to a male colleague if female employees were also present in the room, and would ignore requests uh, sent directly by female staff while responding to virtually identical requests sent by male employees. She apparently often asked managers what she could do to get promoted during her time at Sony, but could never get an answer. She also claims that she not only failed to get promoted, but was effectively demoted after inquiring about promotions, being told to report to a manager below the vice president, while other male co-workers continued to report to the vice president. Additionally, we're not fucking done, she says that she personally heard managers make gender-biased comments about female workers, citing an incident where a female worker with a personal issue was described as not performing well because she has a lot going on at home. <sighs> Which, she argues, I think rightly, construes women as more emotional and less professional than male colleagues. Other alleged examples uh, include uh, suggestions Sony has separate processes for men versus women, because the number of men promoted out of cycle is notable, and that HR creates resistance when women try to get promoted. She submitted a signed statement to Sony uh, last year detailing the problems that she saw and going, hey, it looks like you have a lot of fucking problems with gender discrimination. Do you have a response and are you willing to do anything? And soon after received a letter that she was being terminated. Sony's said to have linked the termination to the elimination of a department within the company, but uh, the, the claimant says that she was not even a member of the department being dissolved. So yeah, that's a whole thing. Uh-oh. Oops. <laughs> Oops. Sony real fucking fucked up. Hey, a video game industry, sort your fucking shit out. Hey, if you're a video game company, here's, here's just like a real good tip. If someone sends you in a form that can be like demonstrated later, evidence of gender discrimination within your company, and there's a paper trail of them telling you that, and you decide to, in response, fire them with a provably wrong reason for firing them, that's gonna come back on you. That's a bad plan. Sony. Sony. You fucking dicks. Fucking hate video games. This industry is... The rut is so deep. And whenever I point this out, people say, well, this is true of all industries. And yes, Capitalism, if you haven't picked up from our work by now, is fucking awful. It's not great. But also, at every level of the game industry, from major publisher to small indie developer, there have been horrible, horrible stories of abuse. And there's something we need to look at particularly within the entertainment sector, where there are so many people willing to write it off, so many people willing to make excuses, and so many people in the public and press willing to look the other way because they want to just focus on the media product, on the fan-fueled uh, product, on the hype, uh, on the weird corporate loyalty that fan bases have. There is a deep systemic problem in the video game industry, and while the abuse is not unique to the video game industry, there is a very unique problem with it that the game industry has. Also, our job is the video game industry, so we're going to talk about the ones that happen here, but like, that doesn't mean we don't know it doesn't happen elsewhere, but we like video games, we want them to be better, we want them to fix this shit. Yes. 
So I've got some PlayStation-related news. Don't worry, it's not positive about them. Therefore, we can, we can have a laugh. Look, we can have a laugh at their expense without promoting them in any way, shape, or form. You know how a year ago they were promising that Spider-Man was going to be uh, a free character in the Avengers game? Like, a little bit of free DLC if you bought it on PlayStation. So we now know some specifics about what form that's going to take. All of the other times they've added characters into the game, it's been like, okay, you have a bit of plot, you you add the new character, Mm. they get their own unique stage. It's like a whole little package of content that comes per character they're adding. Spider-Man's just a character, no no stage, no nothing, just it's just character. Marvel's Avengers is garbage cum. Like not even regular cum, just like a big dick has jizzed out garbage. Uh, Don't worry, it still smells of cum, but also garbage. It's cum garbage. Look, as someone who enjoyed the original game's single player story and, you know, occasionally on rare occasion dipped into the stuff they added story-wise. It's a joke. This is a real fucking joke. It's arrived, what, like almost a year after the game came out? I'm Frankly, I'm shocked the thing's still fucking running, and it's like slapdash. So, yeah, here's how slapdash it is. Uh, it will not include any new story missions. Mm. Uh, it will only feature audio logs and illustrated cutscenes, unlocked by completing in-game challenges, so you're going to get your little comic book rather than a proper cutscene. The excuse is probably, well, this way the people on other consoles aren't really missing out that much, at which point, what kind of bill of goods were you selling the Sony fucking buyers? Oh, 100%. Do you want to hear their quote? Because that's... Not in those words, but that's 100% what they're saying. Oh, is it? I didn't see that they had a fucking excuse. Gameplay director Philippe Therrien says, We want to spend our efforts on content that everyone can enjoy. (laughs) So we chose to spend a lot of our energy on the claw raid that's coming up at the same time. That's a really simple decision for us. Spider-Man can play all the content, but when we release a piece of content that's good on all platforms, really, that was a decision that's been that way since the beginning. Why didn't they tell anyone? Fuck them. I mean, they've already been caught in a lie with their whole, oh, cosmetic only microtransactions, and then shoveling in the XP boosters that they embarrassed themselves about so much they had to roll it back. Here's my response. Hey, you're right. You should be focusing on content that's good on all platforms, because exclusivity's bad. Don't make a shitty Spider-Man content for only one platform. Make a good Spider-Man for both, or if you can't, just don't fucking bother. Don't fucking bother. And if you've got exclusive content for one game, don't charge the same amount for the others. Although, as we've just found out, you'd have gotten in trouble for that, wouldn't you, you fucking cum garbage? Oh. Fuck all video games and everyone who's ever looked at one. Oh. So, you know how we talked about that Mario film a while back? Oh, God. It doesn't get better. It does not get better, no. Noted homophobe Chris Pratt and his Mario film. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Noted member of a homophobic cult, Chris Pratt. Wink, wink. Wink, wink. No problematic opinions from America's favourite. What is he doing? Let's be more accurate. Um, n- yeah. Noted follower of multiple extremist right-wing figures on Instagram, Chris Pratt. What is he doing in most movies? What is he doing? So, we've got an answer to a question people have been having, which is what the f- <laughs> Is he gonna do a fucking cartoonish Italian accent the whole time? We assumed not. And we now know he's not. He's got a 
a special accent of his own we're going to learn about that isn't Italian. <laughs> Is it just Chris Pratt? Because, like, in all of his films, he mostly just plays Chris Pratt. Yep. Yeah, so, look, I suspect it will be. But here's the thing that I find interesting, because people were speculating this would happen, and I think it's sort of been confirmed here. The character's known for his uh, for his Italian accent. We do cover the fact that he's not doing the Italian accent in the movie. <laughs> of course they do, because these fucking films are so obsessed with lore, even as they transgress it. Everything has to have a little explanation for you. Thank you, Star Wars. You'll see we definitely nod to that. And I'm 100% going to describe to you right now exactly how they're going to do it. We know that Charles Martinet's doing a, a, a fucking cameo in this. The film's going to start with Charles Martinet doing the Mario voice. And it's one of two fucking punchlines. It's either going to be he's on a film set and he comes off and he's mm. like, oh, God, I'm glad I don't have to act as Mario in that commercial that was the first few seconds of the movie. Or it's going to be he's going to cough and be like, oh, sorry, I had something in my throat. Here's my actual voice. You know, I'll say one thing for Uwe Boll, right? <laughs> at least he cared so fucking little. He didn't try and patronise us at the same time. It's true. It's like, just fucking, if you don't want to do the accent, if you don't want to do the voice, just fucking don't. Don't fucking, like, make sure every little thing has an explanation so we can put it on the fan wiki. I did just notice something. I hadn't read, there was a little extra bit of quote I hadn't read yet. Charlie Day, who's playing Luigi, actually comes from Italian heritage. So yeah, that's kind of a nod. <laughs> yeah, sure. Here's a little Easter egg for you. Yeah. Look, Chris Pratt ain't going to do an Italian accent, but we got Charlie Day. He's sort of, you know, yeah. We got Charlie Day, who is a bit Italian. So he's a little bit Italian. So you so know. that's our secret nod to the to the lore of Mario Brothers. Just uh, for you fans, fuck off. I tell you what, I tell you who I'd actually like to see in the role, and I think would do a better job in the Mario movie as Mario. Bob Hoskins is exhumed skeletonized remains. <laughs> I just think, you know, Charlie Day with with the bones, with Hoskins bones in a wheelbarrow. I think that'd be respectful. Yeah. So I've got a couple of very quick things to finish out on yeah. that are either nice or interesting or just like not bad shitty news. Microsoft's vice president of gaming, Phil Spencer, wants the games industry to preserve older games through emulation. Just don't do it while he's looking. <laughs> I mean, look, my my punchline to this piece, I'm just going to tell you the fucking punchline now. I think this means you've got permission, you can just pirate all of their old games. Phil Spencer said it's all right, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, he said it was allowed. Yeah. He sent me an email that said, Steph, pirate everything. Steal my shit. Yeah, he said, come to my house, break in, <laughs> hit me with a pipe and take my couch. That's what he said in an email to me. I'm not going to do it. That's not a threat. It's what Phil Spencer said I could do. I I will download the Halo. <laughs> In an interview with Axios, uh, he said, "My hope, and I hope uh, I think that I have to present it that way as of now, is as an industry we'd work to work on legal emulation that allowed modern hardware to run any within reason older executable, allowing someone to play any game." Yeah, to get into this, he's not actually saying use your no. fucking copy of like N N64 ROM to play your downloaded file. He just 
he wants the industry to control the emulation. Yeah. He 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 does. Of course he does. Yeah. Cause here's the thing. I fully support him pushing for this. Because whatever console this gets supported on, whatever Microsoft console can play all, you know, all old games from forever ago, hack that one console, you got your own box. You got a lot. <laughs> yeah. Yarr. Look, Microsoft, if you want to push for a future where Xbox can play every game from the past, just run every executable for a video game from forever and have emulators for every console on it, cool. I'll buy one of those and not buy any games for it, it, probably. <laughs> Do it, boy. Do it. He said something else as well. Yeah? Did Spence. Yeah. Um, he's not explicitly come out against NFTs, but has huh? has expressed worry that they're exploitative. Hmm. He feels that NFTs are like... What's the quote? What I'd say today on NFT all up is I think there's a lot of speculation and experimentation that's happening and that some of the creative that I see today feels more exploitative than about entertainment. <laughs> no shit, Phil. Um, but, you know, at least it's different than Ubisoft yeah. and Square Enix and EA being all, oh, another way to fuck everything up. Sign us the fuck on. Uh. Draw something better than the fucking monkeys. <laughs> I got one last story for today for everyone. And it's the most I've gone from excited to, like, kind of disappointed by a headline in a while. So here's the headline. Microsoft reveals letter from that time it failed to buy Nintendo. <gasps> That's juicy. Yeah. We know back in 1999, Microsoft tried to buy Nintendo and they were like, no, fuck no. Get, get the fuck out of here, weird American company. We're good making our own games. And we've known for a long time that there are letters that went back and forth between the two companies. And I saw this headline going, oh, wonderful. Uh, this is this seems so exciting. I can't wait to read this piece of gaming history. This was released as some like browser based interactive Xbox museum that went live the day before we record this. Much of the document is sadly censored by big green text. Fuck's sake. The words Microsoft tries to acquire Nintendo make most of the fucking letter unreadable. Oh, for God's sake. <laughs> that's, that's such a fucking cock tease of a, a fucking thing. That's a little bit. Do you want to know how much of it can be understood before it fucking trails off into... Nope, there's... Big green text and you can't read it? Well, we haven't got much time on the podcast, so I, I would say you've got plenty of time to divulge the entire content. <laughs> Dear Jacqueline, I appreciate you taking the time to try and arrange a meeting with Mr. Kaeda and Mr. Yamuchi to discuss a possible strategic partnership between Nintendo and Microsoft on future video game platforms. I understand Mr. Takeda's uh, concerns about the possible partnership and will try to... Something, something, guidelines that he has requested, the whole rest of the letter is unreadable. <sighs> it's such a fucking... You've got the intro paragraph where it's like, thank you for trying to set up a meeting between us. Anyway, here's big green text. You can catch a couple of words. The word dolphin, an Xbox project, and focus platform are sort of visible. And something about confidential... That's probably why they didn't show the letter. There's a bit you can see at the bottom that says about keeping this letter confidential and not sharing it. <sighs> Look, I love, I fucking love reading about video game history. Let me fucking read an old letter that never went anywhere. Yeah. It's not going to hurt anyone. Let me read the old letter. That's such a fucking cock tease to put in a, hey, look, we're going to show you bits of our fucking history and then just 
fucking turn it around. Yeah. Oh, uh, but now I know that someone called Jackalee was working working on it. Juicy. <laughs> oh. Oh. I think that's everything this week. Indeed. Well, I'll tell you what. I'll tell you who hasn't redacted her writing. No. It's Laura K. Dale. Oh. Laura, you don't have big green text all over, big green blocks all over the text, what you have written. No, you can just go read the text, what I've written. It's uh, Laura K. Buzz on Twitter, Twitch, YouTube, Patreon. That's the one that pays the bills. I do TikTok sometimes. LauraKBuzz.com. I've got books. The big one right now, Who Hunts the Whale? It's about the video game industry being kind of shitty, but, you know... Having a bit of a laugh, but also going maybe overthrow the the upper class, but just in fiction, obviously. Obviously, it's called Who Hunts the Whale. Go, go, pre-order it, and you know, learn all the techniques that you definitely couldn't use to be a better ally to help people rise up against the CEOs of their companies. Definitely not. Defos. Nah. Uh, there's Pixel Square. It's a porn podcast about video games. Uh, queer and Pleasant Strangers. I talk about board games and stuff that isn't computer video bleeps and bloops. And then there's Dice Funk, it's a Dungeons and Dragons podcast. I'm on seasons three, four, five, six, seven, and eight. They're all their own stories, jump in wherever. Conrad, you used to be on that. I did used to be on that. And you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Conrad Zimmerman. You can hang out with me on Twitch, twitch.tv slash that Conrad Zimmerman. You can buy anti-capitalist propaganda from me at pinfultruth.com or audiobooks that I make at conradreads.com. And uh, let's see. Oh, and you can hear me on Let's Talk About Snacks, where I talk about snacks with Lauren Morgan, also formerly of Dice Funk, and Linda Camiolo. And Boston's favorite son. Uh, and everything I do gets supported on uh, Patreon, patreon.com slash fistshark. And you know who else has a Patreon? Oh, I think I know. James Stephanie Sterling. Oh, I was right. Oh, hell yeah. Fuck me with bottled lightning. Yes, I do. <laughs> Patreon.com slash Jimquisition. Money. And you can also see me on Twitch. I've not done it this week. Um, bit of a chronic pain flare up. Um, we'll see how we are next week. But Twitch TV slash Jim Sterling. Um, that'll get you to Twitch. Um, I typically go for Monday afternoons after uh, the Jimquisition goes up. Also, do check out the Jimquisition this week. Bobby Kotick is an abusive monster. Um, it is... It's an angry one. A friend of mine said I was very sexy being angry. <laughs> I tend to agree. Um, that's it. Thank you so much for listening. I'm off to read some books. And I will see you <laughs> next week. As will everyone else. Bye, everyone else. Bye, Conrad. Bye. 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 Yeah. Who is soup? <laughs> <laughs>